you were to ask a group of people what they feared most in real estate investing, most of them would probably say debt. We're going to talk about why that should not be the case today in this episode of Real Estate Revenue. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Real Estate Revenue. I'm your host, Paul Airy, and this is episode four. And we're going to talk about fear of debt today and why you should not fear debt. So the number one biggest fear in real estate investing, and probably what keeps most people from getting involved in it, is the fear of debt. And why is that? Well, it's probably because most of us, me included, have screwed up debt all their lives. And why is that? Because, you know what, nobody teaches us about credit. They don't teach you about debt in school or credit. They don't teach you about money in school. Um... They definitely don't teach you about real estate in school. So everybody learns by trial and error, and debt is the one thing you do not want to learn by trial and error. Most people in this country right now are so far in debt with credit cards, they will likely never get out of debt. So we're going to talk about uh, the difference between the types of debt. There are two types of debt. Um that I talk about, there's, most people would call it good debt and bad debt. I like to call it uh, profitable debt and non-profitable debt. What are those types? So let's talk about the bad debt first. Bad debt, the non-profitable debt, that's going to be credit cards, debt that you use, loans you use to buy cars, boats, motorcycles, jet skis, your toys, basically. Um, those types of debt do not produce income. And even your house, by the way, everybody thinks that's the greatest investment they have, and it's really not because it's not producing you any cash flow. Uh, so we're going to get into that a little bit later. This question of debt, debt's a big part of people's lives, unfortunately, uh, the wrong kind of debt. So you have... Let's start with the high-interest credit cards. We've all got them. We've, almost all of us have abused them, me included. Uh, bought things on credit cards we should never have bought. And you, don't, you know what? It's like a drug. It's like a heroin addict. Um, you, you try to get clean. You try to stop. But every now and then, that temptation comes back, and you go back and you and you do it. Or an alcoholic, you know, you go back, oh, I'll have a beer. And then, you know, that's the, that opens the door and, you know, all the bad stuff floods in again. And, uh, you know, it happens to me. Sometimes I get tempted by, by, uh, the ease of using a credit card for something stupid, something I want. And it's an emotional need. It's not a, it's not a, any other kind of need other than, than, you know, some something that gives me pleasure. You know, there might be a TV, uh, a new computer, a 
hope I try to use those, uh, try to pay that stuff off at the end of the month, though I try not to let that go beyond that. And that's what you should do with that kind of debt. If you can't pay it off at the end of the month, you probably shouldn't be buying it. Or if you can't, at the very least, uh, get it paid down or off in a couple of months. Um, what I see with credit card debt is people buying buying the uh, the biggest TV in the universe that can barely fit through their front door. And they take it home and set it up, and uh, you know they've got four or five thousand dollars into this thing on their credit card, and they're probably not ever going to pay it off. 10 years down the road when the TV is dead and gone, they're probably still going to be paying on it. One of the worst things that I've ever seen is furniture. Uh, my wife and I were going into a furniture store the other day to pick up a piece of furniture that we'd bought. And luckily we don't have to finance furniture. Uh, that's just, we're just, we plan things that we've gotten ourselves into a position where we can you know, pay for our furniture up front. Um, but they had a big sign, a banner on the window said uh, 48 month financing no interest and that's great that there's no interest but they're getting some extra profit out of that somewhere so there's interest it's hidden interest uh they've probably uh increased the price of the furniture or something charging you some fees but uh they have uh by doing that by financing furniture for 48 months most furniture today won't last 48 months. If it's a heavily used piece of furniture, it's probably not going to be in very good shape in 48 months. It's four years. So you're going to have a piece of furniture that you're ready to get rid of and replace, but you're still paying on it. Uh, so that's that's really, uh, you're getting yourself into a hole there. And one of the biggest holes I see is, is cars, cars and trucks. People buy uh, they buy a car, and uh, prices of vehicles have gotten so high that most people have to finance a vehicle for six or seven years, maybe more. Um, if they didn't, their loan payment on that vehicle would be higher than their rent payment or their mortgage payment, and so they and they usually don't have enough down enough down payment available to them to to pay it down enough to have a manageable car payment without financing it for a longer term. What they do is the car wears out three years or so. You got so many miles on that car. It's starting to fall apart. You want to take it and trade it in, but you still owe another four years of payments on it and you're upside down. So the car is not worth what you owe. So you go in, you trade it in, they tack that extra amount onto the next car loan. And you do that two or three times, and suddenly you're you're in so far you you will never get out. Uh, you're gonna have to take a loss. You have to save up some money and pay it off and get out of it. Uh, you know, on top of that, they might be charging you if you don't have perfect credit. They're gonna be charging you some high interest on the car loan. So um, sometimes I think leasing might be the better option. You know, you get the car, you pay a little bit down, and you you pay. Uh, rate lower than the car payment would be and uh, you know as long as you don't put too many miles on it you're out of it in a few years that's a question for your cpa is it better to buy or lease here's a uh, an interesting example of how you can uh, what you can do with these types of debt 
to make it better, make it easier. So let's go back to the credit cards. If you're going to have a credit card, and almost everybody does, you just about have to these days, get one that has some kind of benefit attached to it. And here's an example. My wife and I have a card. It's a Marriott card. It's a Visa. It's through Marriott. Um, so every time we spend money on that card, we earn points with Marriott. Now, we use hotels a lot. We travel a lot, and we use Marriott a lot most of the time. So we can use these bonus points from our credit card to pay for our room. So we haven't paid for a hotel room in about two years. That credit card happens to be our business credit card. Every, everything that we buy for our business, we put through that credit card, and then we pay it off right away. And uh, that gives us those bonus points to stay at hotels. They just seem to, the balance just never goes away. And we have the, the bonus point balance, not the dollar amount balance. The bonus point, point balance. We always keep it up and then we, we use it on hotels. And, and uh, you know, we don't have to put hotels on our credit card anymore. So we get a benefit out of that credit card. Um, here's a benefit you can get out of, uh, out of cars. If you have the ability to do this, uh, you know, granted most people don't, but I have a client who, uh, he buys a new truck every year. And I asked him about it one day and, and I knew this, this guy is also a CPA and, uh, he, uh, told me about why he buys a new truck every year. So he bought a truck, paid cash for it, and then every year he trades it in. And he said when he trades it in on a new one, he he has so little miles on that uh, first truck that when he trades it in on the, on the next one, you know, he only pays about a ten to $12,000 difference. And, uh, and so then his new trucks pay it off. Um, so if you... Think about this, if you bought a truck with a loan and you paid 10000 down and you paid six or $700 a month for a year, he's coming out better, better off by doing it his way, um, except that he had to come up with the, the amount to buy the truck in the first place to pay cash for it. But if you have it and you can do it that way, that's great. And uh, if you don't have it or if you prefer not to do it that way, um, there's still a great tax deduction. So he takes a tax deduction every year for the full amount of the truck. And you can do, the, do that whether or not you pay cash for it or you get a loan for it. Even if, if you finance that truck, if you paid 10000 down on a $50,000 truck and you make payments on it, you get to deduct the full amount of that truck that first year. And uh, that's a great tax deduction for your business. Now, there are some rules attached to that, some restrictions. you got to have the right vehicle, the right vehicle size. Uh, uh, you have to have it, uh, I believe you have to have it for your business, but you need to contact your CPA and ask them how to do that and how to do it right so that you get that deduction. That can be a huge help for your business. So that's a, that's a way to make that debt pay off a little bit for you. Uh, it's, n it's not totally, um, it's not profitable, but it, I mean, 
it, it can get close to it. It can, it can help you out a lot on your taxes. Uh, so now boats and jet skis and motorcycles, uh, that I don't know about. If you can figure out a way to, uh, benefit from that, I'd sure like to hear about it. But, uh, uh, those are, those are pleasure vehicles and I'm not saying don't buy them. I'm just saying buy them smart. Be smart when you buy them. Um, I believe everybody should enjoy the money they have and, uh, if that means a uh, giant TV or if that means uh, a boat or a motorcycle uh, or a jet ski or an airplane, then you should do it uh, as long as you can afford it and as long as uh, you don't get so far buried in debt that you can't get out. Buy it smart. So basically, when you, uh, uh, when you buy an item like that, when you use a credit card, you're paying high interest on a depreciating product. And most people use uh, credit cards for consumable items. And that's one thing that you should work at not ever doing. You should never use a credit credit card on consumable items and not pay off the balance at the end of the month. Now I say that, I do it myself sometimes, and it's sometimes it's difficult. But uh, uh, sometimes there's the temptation. Like I said, it's like, it's like being an alcoholic or a drug addict. That temptation is there, and sometimes you, you succumb to that temptation, and, and then you're in. They've got you hooked. So you got to get out of it as soon as you can. Talk to your CPA about your vehicles. See how the best way to buy a vehicle is, if you need to buy it or lease it, how you can get that tax deduction, and uh, uh, whether or not you have to do it in a business name or have a business and designate that vehicle for business use. Um, a lot of things get better when you own a business, especially with taxes. Uh, so let's talk about the other kind of debt. Let's talk about the, what people call good debt. I like to call it profitable debt. Uh, it's debt that's going to make you a profit. Leverage, in other words. Um, so Good debt is leverage, and leverage is uh, something you use to uh, to get something you want or need that you couldn't normally get on your own, uh, like real estate. Um, if you don't have the cash to buy real estate outright, and even if you did, I wouldn't advise that. Um, then you need to use leverage. You need you need to use debt. This debt produces cash flow. It produces an income. Um, so leverage is, using leverage is what rich people use to get rich, basically. It's pretty simple. Um, they use it to get things done. And poor people fear that debt. They fear the leverage. They won't use it because they've been told not to. And they haven't been told how to use it the correct way. So uh, here's an example. Let's say uh, somebody deliver, delivers to you a large trunk full of stuff, weighs 100 pounds. Now, you can't pick it up by yourself. It's big and awkward, and it's heavy. So you either get two or three friends to come help you, so you're leveraging your friends, or you go get a dolly, stick that dolly under it and tip it back so you're using a tool to leverage use leverage to get that trunk picked up and moved 
The same is true with real estate. If you buy real estate, if you buy a million dollar property and you don't have a million dollars, you need to use some leverage. You need to use a tool to get that property into your possession. So that's where the good debt comes in. And that's, that is the good news about debt. You can use it to make money. And as long as you don't overuse it, as long as you don't abuse it, it can make you a lot of money. That's the difference between uh, rich people and poor people. The 1% that make 95% of the money in the world, they, they have tools in their toolbox that that other 99% don't have or refuse to use because they don't know how. So what's in your toolbox? The debt is a very powerful tool. It's like a, it's a power tool. It's like having uh, uh, electric drills and jackhammers and, and saws, uh, skill saws, table saws. It's the difference between using a skill saw, a circular saw, and using a hand saw. Unfortunately, uh, if you listen to the Dave Ramsey show, and I got to say, Dave Ramsey has done some amazing work with people who have a lot of credit card debt. Uh, if you have credit card debt and you are buried in credit card debt, he's got a good program for you because your finances are a disaster at that point, and that's what he's good at. If he starts giving you real estate advice, I would turn the other way because I have seen, I've heard him give some of the worst real estate advice. His big advice on real estate is don't ever borrow money to buy real estate. He says, save your money until you can pay cash for it. That's well and good for somebody who makes three or $4 million a year. You got to park that money somewhere. You can't put that kind of money in the bank and expect it to be safe. You have to put it in an asset. So you put it in real estate. And the real estate is a safer asset than a savings account. A savings account is not an asset. It's a way to lose your money. It uh, actually depletes your money over time because of inflation. But that's another story. So he's saying don't ever, by the time, he's saying save your money. Well, it might take you 20 or 30 years to save the money to buy the property that you want. Well, by the time you save the money to buy it, you're not going to have enough anymore because the price of the property has gone up and you missed out on that increase in equity. And you missed out on all the cash flow over those years that it took you to save that money. And in the meantime, somebody else has bought it using debt. They put a cash down payment down, borrowed the money, made the profit on the rent, built up the equity, and now they have a property worth twice what they paid for it. And you have a large savings account that's earning you 1% or 2% interest. Which is better? So that's my, uh, I'm not, not trying to trash Dave Ramsey. I'm just saying, you know, he's, he's got a reason f- for, uh, for what he does. There's a purpose for, for his advice, and it's credit card debt, not real estate. So uh, all, the, all the bad debt, he, uh, he has a great program for that to get out of it. So here's how wealthy people, wealthy real estate investors use debt to buy real estate and uh, how they can actually get infinite return on their cash investment. So you buy a property that's, say, uh, 
three million dollars and you have to come up with a million dollars in cash for a down payment to finance that property you don't have a million dollars but you know three other people who can put their money together with yours or without yours and come up with a million dollars and they want to buy real estate so you put the deal together they furnish that down payment you might be part of that down payment and you do the financing now you buy the right property you buy what's called a value add property something where you add value to the property uh, by doing that, you can increase your income on the property, which increases the value. In commercial real estate, the value of the property is uh, based on the net operating income of the property. So you, uh, you do that. You increase the value of that property. When it's increased high enough that you can uh, refinance it and get another, get a million dollars in cash out of it, you do that. Everybody's paid back on their cash investment. You still have the property. You have no money into it. You're still getting a cash flow off of it from the rent. And uh, everybody's getting an infinite return on their cash. Now, this is the way larger real estate investors invest. Smaller real estate investors invest that way too. I've done that myself. Uh, I didn't have that many partners. I just had one. But it worked out the same. So, um, uh, you know, that's a, a great way to get into a, a property without cash. Now, a lot of people, a lot of uh, real estate gurus are out there selling their courses. And, um, you know, they used to do it on infomercials. Now they do it online um, where they say you get rich in real estate with no money down, no credit. You don't need a job. You don't need any cash at all. Uh, that's not the way they're talking about doing it usually. Some of them might be, but most of them are talking about using uh, owner financing and um, that type of thing, uh, doing wholesaling and some of those things, you know, you can do and, but you can't, uh, can't base your whole career on it. I always tell people that you can't base your entire real estate investing career on doing those kind of deals. They're out there and you should take them when they're there, take them, take it when you can get it. Uh, as long as you don't over leverage, get too much debt on a property, they're okay to, to do. But, uh, this is the way you get in. You're going to have to have some, you have to have some money. You have to have some type of cash down payment. It doesn't have to be your money. It can be somebody else's money. And that's the way you want it. If, if you can do these deals, if you can do these deals with someone else's money, perfect. That's what you're looking for. So don't fear the debt. Learn about the debt. Uh, that's the problem with the way our school system is set up, our education system. They don't teach us about money. They don't teach us about debt or credit. They don't teach you about buying property or selling property. Um, they teach you about how to get a job, how to be an employee. And I, for one, do not want to be an employee ever again. And probably for listening to this podcast, uh, most of you don't want to be one either. And uh, this is a way you can get out of that. Uh, real estate is a commercial real estate investing is a way that you can get out of your job, out of being an employee and uh, be an investor. Have positive cash flow, have recurring income every month, build your income over time. You know, three, four, or five years, you can be out of your job forever. Financial freedom um, and, and more. 
So that's it for this episode of Real Estate Revenue. Thank you for coming in and listening, and I hope you get something out of these, and I hope to see you back here again uh, on the next episode and for many more to come, and uh, I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.